Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. This is Kindling Helpline, where we take your questions about parenting, everything from uh, pregnancy concerns to newborn queries, toddler nightmares, sibling rivalries. That's something I always have to ask about. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue is here to answer your questions. So you can ask them either by calling us in. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Or if you're watching us via Facebook, just pop your question underneath the Facebook Live. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. I should also add that Chris is a mothercraft nurse with over 30 years of experience helping families with all different kinds of problems, um, or I should say challenges, as yes. we like to rephrase it. They're yeah. challenges, not problems. Um, so as I mentioned, put your questions in now if you have one. Right up, we have a phone call from Nicole, who's been struggling with sleep and overnight feeds with her eight-month-old. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? Good. You're tired, though, right? Because you're not I'm sleeping. <laughs> How was your mother's day? Did you get a sleep in? Unfortunately not. No, I started celebrating at about 4.30 in the morning. Oh, oh. <laughs> next year. Oh. Next year. Well, let's, um, let's see if we can... Love. Let's see if Chris can help here. Um, now, I know you've, you've called in before. Is that right? Or you've emailed before? Both. Both of yeah. them, and it, nothing, nothing's working, working at the moment. So tell us where you're at now. Okay. Um, so we're, so she's eight months old, my baby, and I've got a three-year-old as well. Yeah. Um, and we've just recently gone down to two sleeps in the day and three breastfeeds and yep. solids, about three solid meals and a snack or two in there as well, depending on how the day sleeps go. Yep. Um, and she's waking in the night anywhere from between 2, although last night was one thirty, um, and 4 or 5. Okay. And I'm, everything I read says an 8-month-old should be able to get to the morning without yep. a feed, and so I'm a bit stuck on what to do. Okay. So the first thing is we've got to work out whether she's overeating and not feeding properly in the day, or is mm -hmm. she overtired and not feeding well at the end of the day? Okay. And to determine this, when she has a feed overnight, how long does she feed for? Um, five or ten minutes each side if she doesn't fall straight back to sleep when I put her on. Okay, so out of those two feeds you do overnight, is one of them a decent feed and one she falls asleep? It's usually just one feed over, overnight and then another one at about seven in the morning. And the one oh, during okay. the night, yeah, the one during the night is... Sometimes she'll have a really good drink and other times she just sucks for a few minutes and falls straight back to sleep and stays asleep until the morning. Okay. So the feed you do before you put her to bed at night, that six, mm -hmm. seven o'clock feed at night, how long is that? Um, usually about, yeah, about five, ten minutes each side, which is good okay. for her. That's, that's pretty normal. Yeah, and that is pretty normal. So what we're trying to determine is, is that the case? So if she's having three meals in the day and mm. three to four breastfeeds in the day, Yep. And she's feeding for five to ten minutes in you know on each side, then she's feeding to the best of her ability, and so yep. therefore the waking up at night probably is waking up at night, 
So if you said every night that she woke up and you fed her, she fed for uh, five to ten minutes, then I would be thinking that somewhere in the day either, and the most likely at her age is that she's overfeeding her solids and therefore she's doesn't need the breastfeed when she goes to bed so she naturally wakes up because she's hungry overnight or she doesn't get enough sleep in the day and she's very tired by the end of the day so she doesn't feed properly so therefore she wakes up overnight so if we can eliminate those two things um, which it sounds like the last feed of the day is a reasonable feed for her age Mm. and solids she's definitely on a solids and she's eating well then generally speaking, it's just about how we're going to push her through that night feed to get her through yeah. the night. Yeah. And it's occurring at, say, did you say between one thirty and 2 generally? Between, no, any time, anywhere between one thirty and 4. Oh, so one thirty really and 4. really inconsistent as well. Okay. So I just, and I've tried just settling her, but yep. sometimes it can take over an hour and it gets worse and worse. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't, yeah. So have you tried it for three to five days in a row? No. Or, I, okay. So yeah, that's with where... The and everything, yeah. it's just... But it's, it's sort of... Much. Yeah, that's right. So you've got to... I think I speak to lots and lots of parents with this exact same problem. So we've ticked all the boxes in the day. The baby's doing reasonably well for their age. And it's just getting through this last little bit. And especially when it's your second or your third baby, because you tend to jump in to try and Mm. fix it quickly or to stop waking the other child up. But inadvertently, you're creating the problem. So we've got to get a few days in a row where you can Mm. be consistent because for her, if you do it one night, you know, where we've stressed everyone out for an hour and then in the end we've probably fed her, and the next night you let her cry for three minutes and then you pick her up and put her on the breast, it's just inconsistent for her. So you need three nights to do it. It does, on the first night, take an hour. And I think when people are honest about how long it takes to do this, then Mm. parents are much better at being consistent with it. So it's not what happens on the first night. It's what happens on the second or the third night. And each of those nights needs to improve. So, for instance, regardless of the method that we use to get her to sleep, if it takes her an hour to get to sleep on the first night, the second night she should sleep longer and the time it takes us to resettle her should be shorter. So she might sleep till three in the morning and then it might only take you 40 minutes to get her to sleep. And then the third night she might sleep till four in the morning and it takes you 20 minutes to get her to sleep and then so forth and so on and she starts sleeping through. And that's a natural progression of learning how to sleep. But if we only do it one night because there's other other variants like an hour is a long time in your life for a start Mm. and that there's other people that that are... interrupted by this process then Mm. it's hard to be consistent so she will go back to her default system which means if I cry I get a feed so in the last few nights so the last three or four nights has she done more nights where she's fed for five or ten minutes or has she done more nights where she's just fed for a couple of minutes and gone back to put herself to sleep probably more where she's fed for a few minutes and gone back to sleep and gone yeah she always goes back to sleep um, and yeah, usually she, she's had a bit of a drink. First. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is, is a simple 
resettling, but you should do it when you've got three nights in a row to be able to do it. And do it really simply. Just leave her to cry for a few minutes, go in and pat her for a few minutes till she's calm, then leave, then maybe leave her a little bit longer the next time and so forth and so long until you get to a point where she's starting to self-settle herself within those windows. And, and that does take a full hour on the first night. So I think once you know what you're doing and you put it in the right time frame, it actually does help her learn to self-settle. Nicole, can... Sorry, I was just going to um, uh, butt in and just say that the time that I tried to do something similar to this, and definitely people don't always have this opportunity, but my husband um, had to go away and he took my daughter with him. And I know that obviously you can't drop everything yeah. and ask your partner to go away with someone, but um, oh, we I do found it the other it, way. I found we it, take mum and the toddler away and uh, leave dad to do it. Oh, how does that sound, Nicole? Because dad's, <laughs> dad's a better at settling, just generally. Um, and also that when he goes in the room, that baby doesn't look at his chest and go, that's where I'm going. The difficulty I have, though, is when either of us go in, yeah. it tends to make her cry more. Yeah. It tends to make her escalate her crying. So you've left her for a couple of minutes, you go in, you lay her down if she's pulling to stand, some aren't, so, or mm-hmm. roll her over and you give her some pats and she throws herself backwards as if to say, don't do that to me. And she gets herself really worked up and you might even have to stop and pick her up and give her a cuddle and pop her down mm-hmm. and start again. So think of it like your three-year-old having a massive tantrum. Yeah. But actually, she's not having a tantrum. We're just changing the behaviour around what it is that she's getting. At what point would I make the decision, though, that maybe she's actually just hungry? Because like I said, last night, for example, was over an hour and it just got worse and worse. And I just, there was just no way that she was going to be falling back to sleep. When you, I was holding her, rocking, bouncing, putting her back, patting, shushing, you know, all of the tricks. Yep. So I, I, I think it depends on the fact that when you put her, did you eventually put her back on the breast? Yeah. And how long did it take her to get to sleep? Oh, a couple of minutes. Yeah. (laughs) There's the answer to the question. (laughs) So it's a really difficult thing because everyone's tired and and the answer doesn't have to be done tonight. It needs Mm. to be done when the two of you sit down and go, okay, we really just need to get through this and it's not easy. And the reason it's not easy for you is it sounds like she's fairly reasonable at getting to sleep in the day it's just this one time at night and so you know she gets herself really worked up because it's only once in fact it would be easier if she was more unsettled in the day because then she'd have more repeated experiences of it before you got to the night but if she can she self-settle in the day yeah I just pop her into bed and she goes straight to sleep yes so she can do it she just doesn't she so I can understand how it's more difficult because you've only got one time you're doing this yeah, but the answer's the same. So okay. the pick, pitting, picking up and putting down, um, giving her windows a time to settle, I think will work. It's just has got to go over a consistent period of time for her. Yeah. So if you can try that, Nicole, if you can find a way of doing it, um, like Chris is saying, consecutive, consecutively for three days or so, um, mm-hmm. and you're still having problems, please call us back. I know this has been a long journey for you, so yeah. um, we want but, you to get some more sleep. Yeah. So but, Okay. But I think it's just, yeah, it's firstly start trying to do that first three nights. And then if it isn't working in three nights, if you know further down the track, then stop what you're doing. And we, okay. you need to reconsider what's going on for her. 
right. So well, call back. I'll try and, okay, Good luck. You've done night one. Keep. Oh, no, you gave her a feed in the end. So you're nearly yeah, done night I'll one. Again. <laughs> Good luck, Nicole. We're with you. We understand. Thanks very much, guys. See ya. Good Bye. luck. Bye-bye. You're listening to Kindling Helpline on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'm with Chris Minogue, who is a mothercraft nurse with over 30 years' experience. We do take questions on the phone, like Nicole just there. The number's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. And um, I think it's probably worth saying that um, sleep... um, is a very tricky thing to deal with. and It if, is because you're sleep deprived. Yes, and you're So tired. that baby's tired, you're just as tired. In fact, I think the parents are more tired because they have to push through the day. And they Whereas can't the nap. baby gets naps during the day. So, so if so. there is ever a time where, like Nicole, you've called us before and then perhaps things haven't worked out as it was described... Give us a call back because that's what Chris is here for. Yeah. That's what she does in her normal consulting is we'll speak to people and adjust things along the way. So please don't ever feel that if One something... answer is the only answer. Exactly. So I just thought I'd put that out there. We'll move yeah. on to Lisa who has a two-year-old. Yes. Um, she says, for the past six months or longer, my two-year-old has been responding to not getting his own way by grabbing the face or biting. It started out with just my husband and me, but then progressed to kids as well. Oh. He seems to do it more when he's overtired, so I've tried not keeping him out past nap time. This seemed to help, but not entirely. I also read it may be an attention thing, so I've tried not going out so much and giving him a lot of one-on-one attention and also avoiding it altogether to see if it worked, so not going out, I guess. He seemed not to do it so much over the last couple of months, but now he has discovered things like toys (laughs) and his own possessions. It's come back and seems to be more extreme and aggressive. Now he is bigger and fights harder. It can be anything from bed, nap time, changing nappy, going in the car, shower, toys, just the everything. I try to give him freedom, so not saying no, no, and using other words instead, and explain everything to him. I give him countdown warnings, warnings about what will happen if he hurts people, etc. Sometimes it works, but only briefly. I keep being told it's age-related, and he'll grow out of it, and I just need to teach him and keep telling him calmly and without anger, but it doesn't seem to be working. I'm afraid I may be making a situation worse by overlooking something or being too soft and letting him get away with it. Yeah. What's the yuck? pretty much? You let him. She's letting him get away with it. Is that what you're saying? Well, sort Lisa. of, because there's one thing missing here. There's a difference in how we treat um, a two-year-old that's under two and a half to a two-year-old who's over two and a half. So there's this sort of developmental stage as a two and a half to three-year-old where they completely understand what you're talking about. And they get that they're being naughty. In fact, they can almost look at you and then be naughty. Whereas when they're under two and a half, um, it's very reactive. So something happens and they do something and then you do something. So if we assume he's in that younger age group, then I think what happens in that younger age group, we talk too much to them and we need to keep the sentences short in, in regards to this type of discipline that, that you'd want to set up for this behaviour. So if we're talking about him being gentle and it's all loving and we don't bite, he goes, okay, but he's only heard about the first three words. And he's under two and a half, so he doesn't even really get it. So I think that actions speak louder than words in this one. Staying calm is really hard, but it is actually the answer to this. And you're saying that the type of biting, and this may not always be true, but the type of biting he's doing is grabbing for your face and biting. So he has to be pretty close up to you 
to grab a face and to bite, whereas I wouldn't be letting him get that close. But he might be at the age where he's sort of running and biting your leg. I don't know if your children ever did that. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they have. Yes. Yeah, they run and they bite you in the leg from behind or in front when you least really expect hurt. it. <laughs> so one is we've got to get to work out why he's doing it. It's probably a learned behaviour because now he's applying it to everybody. You, the way to stop it is to interrupt it as much as possible. So I don't think you have to stop going out, but I think you need to be aware that if he's in a playground playing with some kids and they're getting close to everyone fighting over something, I might just move in and distract him to somewhere else. So we're distracting him out of the behaviours. If you've said no to him at home, I wouldn't pick him up and say no to him because he's going to have a go at you. And if he's having a tantrum and you go to move him maybe to somewhere to see it quietly to try and calm down, then I wouldn't go from in front. I'd go from behind and pick him up because we know he's going to grab and we know he's going to bite. So there's some ways to distract him out of that behavior. So in the response, we don't have to go over the top and give him so much love and attention. We actually create a different problem, which is the, I can't do anything without you. So I think if you can normalize it as much as possible, be very aware that this is his behaviour that he does when it doesn't go right and be consciously close to him so you can distract him, that generally it will go away. But once he's done it, I think he needs to be timed out to realise what he's done has hurt someone. So this isn't like he threw a toy on the floor and we're going to time him out. I think this is the one thing I would time him out for when they do something physical such as hitting, biting, kicking, you know, throw in with intent, I call it, where they look at you, then they throw. Um, and I think that does need the response of some time out. But don't over talk it, just time him out, because you and he are both agitated at that point. So just put him somewhere safe, give him a couple of minutes to time out, then go up to him and say, we do not bite and we do not bite in this family. And then this is the really hard bit, you've got to move on from it. So you've got to just pick him up and distract him into play. And it's true, he will grow out of it. But I think he needs to realise what it is done has hurt someone versus he threw the toy on the floor and you're getting timed out for that. So I'd pick your battle here. So you might just time him out for this one action, but I'd be very aware of what he does and I'd be trying to distract him or remove him from a situation. Um, and if you're going to pick him up, I wouldn't pick him up face on when he's in anger. I'd go from behind and pick him up to move him to where you want to be. And it does just disappear with time and age. I think that's probably the best part of the answer, Lisa. It goes away. We have a question from Carly. My two-and-a-half-year-old still wakes at least once or twice a night for a bottle. She's a great eater during the day, but without fail, she wakes every night. And to settle her for bed, I have to lay in there with her for over an hour. I'm so tired every day. I let it slide for so long, but I'm going out out of of my mind. mind. Oh, Carly, that's tough. Uh, Carly, we're just going to take the bottles off her. There's this weird thing once they have bottles too long. um, Once they have the first bottle, they'll wake up more and more for more bottles and also the amount of milk that they're just generally having overall. So I think the first thing I would do is not change how you put it to bed, which is the laying with her, but I'd get rid of the bottles. So I would take this in two two approaches. For a week, I just, well, I'd get rid of the bottles for a week before I would change the lane with her to get her to sleep. 
and I would tell her. She's two and a half. I'd just say to her, tomorrow there are no more baby bottles. You're a big girl. We're not having baby bottles. I would collect them up in the morning and you have to actually throw them out because a two-year-old is very clever and they will find the bottle hidden somewhere in the house. So first thing is to get rid of the bottles because I think they sleep better with less milk in their system. So personally, I think that. And at two and a half, she certainly doesn't need bottles, which you're aware of. But I wouldn't change the way you put her to sleep. So you might have to lay with her for another week because we've already taken away one security. You don't want to take them both away. And then I think after that, I'll try a whole different tact with her. So then the next week, you, you actually talk to her about this outside of her um, time of going to sleep. So I wouldn't tell her at 6.30 that you're not going to sit with her because there will be a tantrum. So I'd talk to her in the morning about 9.30. You know, you're a big girl now and we've got to help you understand how to go to sleep on your own. So we're going to come in and I'd take her through the steps. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to read two stories. We're going to have cuddles and then you've got to lay down and then mummy's going to leave the door open and she's going to go out. But I will be back in five minutes and you actually turn up in four and a half minutes. So preempt the five minutes and then you just go and give her another little cuddle and a bit of a pat and then you walk out and you say mummy will be back in five minutes and you just repeat it till she falls asleep and it's going to take again like we were talking about before about three days but if you just take this in a gentle approach I think you'll find that one once she learns to go to sleep she'll sleep better overnight you'll need about Um, three or four days to be able to actually do it and then if that one doesn't work I wouldn't jump to this first but the other one that I find works really well with this group is putting an audio book on so kiss cuddle you need to lay there and listen to this story for five or six minutes and then they fall asleep within listening to the audio book so it helps them understand how to go to sleep so some people would say we're setting up another problem by Crutch. using the audiobook, but she's not going to get the audiobook overnight. So it's only that initial to help her understand how to go to sleep. And then overnight, you have to let her self-settle, go back in, cuddle her, put her down, say you'll be back in five minutes and repeat it till she learns how to do it. So that would be my starting point of how to deal with this because there are many things we can do to make her stay in that room. But let's just teach her first how to do it. Um, The other thing I'd look at is watch her day sleep. So she might be having a really big day sleep. I would have her up by two o'clock and down at 7.30 and I'd only probably at two and a half give her an hour's sleep. So that might help too by reducing her day sleep. Good luck with that, Carly. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Every Monday, Chris comes in and helps people by answering their questions either on Facebook or you can call in the numbers 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. And um, we've got a question here from Kamal. She has a five and and a half year old daughter, five and seven months, who started school this year in January. She does pee in her pants at school sometimes. She's toilet trained and never did that in pre before kinder or even in the first or in kinder last year yeah. I was surprised when she started to do this she doesn't like to go to the toilet the teacher asked me once does she have any problems because she asked to go to the toilet three times in one hour so I told her to go to the toilet when it's urgent but then she did it in her pants I'm a bit confused and I would really appreciate if you could help with this uh, to me this sounds like the stress of starting school 
because if she's been relatively good at general toileting and suddenly when big kindergarten where they're expecting a lot more of her maybe she's a little bit stressed and you know my daughter yeah, has you've got big problems well not big problems but the toilet thing was yeah, really hard for them to and get their lots head of around. kids don't it's a bit of a scary place to go into and there's lots of people there and they're usually a block and you my, know, my, not like preschool. Yeah, my daughter, what she was confused about was the rules around when you could go. So yeah. she got really scared. She thought the only time she could use the bathroom was at recess or, or lunch. lunch. So when they're desperate, I mean, when we're yeah. desperate, we don't wait till we get a break. Or, we just go and yes. go to the toilet. So in this case, I would probably talk to her teacher about it and and say to her, look, I think she's a bit stressed about the whole toileting thing and maybe the teacher could tell her that it's perfectly okay to put your hand up and you can go to the toilet. So that might settle it down. But to me, that sounds like she's a little bit anxious about what's going on at school, especially since she'd been doing it so well. So I would speak to the teacher and I'd speak to her about you can go to the toilet anytime. And I found, at least yeah. at my daughter's school, they were really supportive. Yeah. And they also said it was very common. So yeah. So all of the kids, we, we were all taught to put a clean pair of undies in their bag. Yeah. They had them at the school office. So I think um, it's not unusual. No. It just it takes a bit of getting used and to it. And I, I think I think the approach of the teacher telling her that it's okay yeah. might really alleviate that because I think they get very confused in yeah. kinder. They've got so many things to to remember and, you know, it's very different from daycare and preschool. So I think I'd work together and I think you'll be surprised how well this settles down. Yeah, teachers are great with that stuff. Look, we've only got time for one more question. It's from Candice. My 15-month-old wakes from every sleep screaming and is quite distraught in the morning from his nap and when, if, he wakes in the middle of the night. Sometimes I need to read books or, in rare cases, breastfeed him to settle him. When he was a newborn, he would wake really happy. I'm not sure why or if this is okay. He wakes between 7 and 8 and has one nap a day for two hours between 12 and 1 and is in bed between 7 and 7.30. He still wakes at least once a night. Right. So, so the timings are great. Mm. Like the timings are absolutely perfect. So I don't think he's overtired. Um, he wakes up screaming at night. I can understand that. They could be laying there for a few minutes, they start screaming, or they could be startled awake with a night terror and start screaming. It's the one where he wakes up in the morning unhappy. So um, that one, more than anything, is the one that usually kids will wake up happy in the morning talking, even if they've been awake overnight. So that usually comes, though, from overtiredness. So I wonder whether he's laying some of that time overnight awake and not sleeping, and that's why you're getting this behaviour. Um, I don't think he's scared of anything and it doesn't really sound like a true night terror so I think it's a layover from his early months when he's been waking at night and now he's 15 months old and probably when he starts waking and crying and screaming he's standing up at the cot 
and then he's fully awake and it's taking you a long time to get him settled. In fact, you're getting him out and you're reading him books. You're trying to distract him out of the crying to try and get him back to being settled again. So I think in this one, um, if it's happening very consistently, I think it's probably a behavioural around waking at night. And I think he's awake longer than you think at night because that would explain why he's not happy when he wakes up in the morning because he's sleeping in really good time frames. Uh, apparently, I've got to um, say, you know, Arlo did this. Yeah, yeah, Arlo yeah. It's used to really, wake, and I was, I was confused too. I'm like, is it normal that a baby wakes up yeah. crying? And if I could show you a photo of him now, Candace, he's got the most angelic smile. Yeah, he doesn't wake up crying anymore. I don't know. That's just my anecdotal experience, but I know it was very. Uh, he's confusing. happy, but he's uh, the reason he's not happy in the mornings because he hasn't slept as well as you think he has. Mm. See, I never asked Chris about that. No. (laughs) I should have. So I suspect you need to do a little bit of um, teaching him to go back to sleep so that if he's waking at other periods at night, he knows how to go back to sleep again. And I think um, when he wakes up, he's so wide awake, you're then um, getting him up and actually keeping him awake. Whereas I would try a lot more to maybe get him off to sleep and see if that will work. But, And the other thing is the way you approach him in the morning. So that's a really big one. So if you go in and open the blinds and say, it's up time, mummy's here, let's go and have breakfast. Often they go, oh, okay, we're happy. And then they'd start smiling at you and then away we go. So, But the actual reason for why they're unhappy in the morning is usually 90% because they haven't slept as well as you think they have. Okay, mm. It's not because they're unhappy, as in emotionally they're unhappy it's because they're still tired so hopefully that resettling him might get might make the difference for him all right candace thank you for your question and good luck with that thank you everyone for your questions it's all we have time for today on kindling helpline don't forget to subscribe to the kindling conversation podcast where you will find lots of episodes full of chris's helpful advice chris thank you that's a pleasure That was Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue and this has been Kindling Helpline. If you've got a question for Chris next time, remember you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. 